five, four, three, two, one. What's going on? The G Meeker MMA Show is back. My name is Gabriel Hernandez. This is the G Meeker MMA Show, episode 158. Quick little story I want to tell you guys before we get going. We got a great show stacked today. Originally, we were supposed to have Ryan Morrow on. He called or texted me saying that he has some business to take care of on his end. The time frame didn't work. And if we could schedule it for tomorrow. So good news for you guys is that you get me today and you gave me tomorrow. Because so many things have happened within 24 hours, like I was saying yesterday. And now we get a chance to have three podcasts in one week. Back to back to back. How exciting is that? So we'll get Ryan Morrow tomorrow. Everything's going to be the same for tomorrow. But we got a great show today. I was originally going to call it Segments Episode 17. That appears to be haunting me because I haven't added to any episodes of Segments. So I feel we're just going to continue with just naming them, you know, 158, 159, 160, etc. So you're just going to stick with that. So that's what we're going to do. Episode 158. Let's not waste any time. Rundown today's lineup arguably could be a lot more exciting than yesterday's. That's the best part about it. That's the exciting part about it. When I was doing notes, when I was putting it all together and stuff, I felt I looked at it. This looks fucking exciting. That's what I was thinking in my head. And that's what I feel. I mean, we're not going to judge shows by shows. All the shows are good. But, you know, I have little ones that you feel are a lot more exciting than the others because a lot of this this news and event these things are very exciting in, in their own right so let's not waste any time it's october 2nd welcome to the second day of halloween like people like to say 31 days of halloween it's a weird thing i always thought halloween just solely was focused on october 31st but according to a lot of other people they like to say 31 days of halloween so that's a little little cheesy thing that i threw in there but today okay we're gonna recap basically what happened yesterday on the show episode 157 something we never really done before i just thought it'd be kind of cool based off of ufc 229 and a lot of things that amassed after that um my thoughts on the main event a little bit a more detailed less pressurized breakdown of the main event um, some recently announced fights as of yesterday, uh, Jimmy Manuel versus Tiago Santos, official for UFC 231 or 232, if I'm not correct, one of those two, I'll check in a second, um, as well as his former foe, Eric Anders, returning to fight Elias Theodoro at that, on that same exact card, so it's kind of like these two guys just finished fighting each other, and now they're both booked on the same exact card against different opponents, you know, it was a little scarier for people when it comes to Eric Andrews being booked right away, especially after what happened with him and Tiago Santos. It wasn't a, one of the craziest beatings. It's not like he took a ferocious beating or anything like that. It just, it was a, it was a crazy nine. It was exhaustion. You know, both those guys tried to take each other's heads off from start to finish. And it was just a massive exhaustion. It wasn't like he was just, you know, absolutely beaten up or anything or badly hurt, like super concussed or anything like that. So I'm comfortable with the booking. By the way, quick fact for people that didn't know that Eric Anders is first man, I think. First man, if I'm not correct, mistakenly, is one of the couple 
I heard one other person, but he is a one man that I know of that has four fight will have four fights in 2018. So congrats on him for finally getting that fight with Elias. I know these guys have been chomping at the bit to fight each other. Elias doesn't seem too entertained by that by that fight. He's kind of a little bit playing a little too hard to get when it comes to that. So when I first heard that this fight was announced, I went and I checked Twitter. I looked at it, multiple sources, you know, this is a confirmed fight, the UFC confirmed it, both the guys confirmed it, so it's an official fight, so Jimmy Manoa was out of the fight with Tiago Santos originally due to a, a torn hamstring, so I said about six weeks, he should be back better than ever, hopefully returns better than ever, and it isn't a uh, rush too soon, same thing with Eric Anders, I'm confident in the training and stuff. Um, I'm confident that they will show up and it will look better than ever. So it's pretty exciting. Okay. And another, another report as of yesterday, cause you know, Monday is a big day for MMA, the MMA world. So when all the podcasts come out, news gets dropped, a lot of breaking news on those days. So Daniel Cormier announces that the UFC said that they potentially strip him of his light heavyweight title. So they can book John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson too for a vacant title. A lot came out of that. I just heard the interview earlier this morning. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, I want to talk about that. It's really exciting. Like I said, today's show is a lot more informative. I like it. I'm digging today's show. It's really coming together. Um, also, some other things that came to mind that I didn't talk about yesterday on the show, which I was thinking about was Bellator, obviously UFC, uh, Bellator 206, Rory McDonald losing to Gegard Mousasi in the main event of weight class above, getting pretty battered, getting pretty beaten up. Um, what does it do? Does, this damage, does it damage his chances in the welterweight tournament? Because, you know, for all you guys that do know and you follow this, is that he will be fighting John Fitch uh, in the welterweight tournament, Grand Prix tournament, you know, he went up weight class, he lost, but now he gets to go back down to a different fight at his normal weight class, but coming off of a devastating loss like that. So I was thinking in my head what other people thought about this. I thought I would bring it to light. I thought I would bring this to, to everybody's attention and talk about what I think and how I, how I feel and if I feel that it will damage his chances because there's a lot, to, lot that comes into that. There's a lot of factors. There's a lot of different things that could happen health-wise, mentality-wise, and future-wise for this. And I wanted to give you guys my thoughts on that. Um, a re uh, re recap of Conor McGregor. Obviously, he came on Ariel Hawani's MMA show yesterday. It's a great show. I was just listening to that before I started recording. Um it would feel surreal. Like I, I can't even, I can't even explain how surreal it was to have been notorious, the most popular guy in all of mixed martial arts today, the Muhammad Ali of our generation in mixed martial arts on Ariel's show. You know, he's been big and big and bad. Now he has all these sponsorships. He has all these different things going on. He's popular. He's getting into trouble. He's doing all this, this, He's doing all of the above. He's, and I'm not, I don't mean to highlight that he's got in trouble. He's just doing everything. So, you know, for him to have time to be on Ariel's show, for us as fans to be able to hear him on there, hear how he's doing. You know, we hear the show every single week. So for have him on as one of the guests, it has to be good ratings for Ariel's show. It was good to hear him as a fight fan. So that's where we're, we're talking about a little bit of that. And uh, he also says that he wants a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. 
for sure a third fight with Nate Diaz. You can't go wrong with that. And get me on this one. Get ready. Don't let your fucking pants blow off. But Anderson Silva. He wants to t- fight Anderson Silva. So that's that was a surprise. That was a big one for me. The stream was kind of shitty on, on Twitter. So I don't know if it was a connection. Maybe it was a Wi-Fi connection. I don't want to pin this directly on Mr. Helwani. But uh, it was a shitty connection due to the Wi-Fi in the surrounding area. So that was the problem with mine. It's a little unfortunate that... It happened. It happened uh, right when Connor was about to be on. I was so excited. It was a crazy moment. It was a crazy feeling. It was exciting to have him on. I still have yet to get to that interview, which I will finish later today. Damn, she's got some ass. I love. My, I love women with ass. That's for sure, dude. I, I find myself looking at that more than anything. Look at my little fucking emotional outbursts and shit um but all right let's not waste any time let's move right into it i mean basically yesterday we just recapped uh bellator 206 as well as you know talking about breaking down the main event which we will do later i promise um we talked about what what the fuck did we talk about yesterday I'm starting to, I'm kind of losing my, we, we, we talked about the fights, we talked about, you know, um, what happens with the breakdown, I did fight predictions as well, um, and it was a good show, it was, it was really, it was really good, but I feel today's is definitely going to be a lot better because of the structure, because of everything that we're talking about, okay, let me just read, I just forgot, I'm going to read the book. Yeah, we broke it down. We, we, we recapped Bellator. We made fight picks for UFC 229, and as well as as well as everything else, we tuned in. I broke down the fights, and we're gonna do a lot more of a better educated background of a breakdown for this the main event, and um, and it should be a lot better. And I'm really excited. And like I said, I'm excited. Today's show is gonna be great. Uh, so. To not waste any more time, I really actually want to get right into the main event is what do we have here? We have side A. We have Conor McGregor, you know, there's a lightning fast left hand, devastating left hand shot, devastating knockout power, precision, accuracy, and great phenomenal movement. Some of the best that I've seen in MMA, you know, the way he breaks it down, the science of it, what he has going in the back is McGregor fast, you know, his other accomplishments as well, but stylistically, physically, the way he fights, you know, physically, what he's been able to do is absolutely phenomenal. And he's going up against a guy with ruthless and unlimited amounts of cardio in the form of Habib Nurmagomedov as a Dagestanian cowboy, absolute monster of a grappler who, who, who trains with people 200 pounds plus, a.k.a. Daniel Cormier, and... He's a devastating grappler. You know, not only is he good with, with grappling, but he uses that to the point where that's his strong suit, and that's what every single one of his opponents, all 26 of them, feared. He overwhelms you with his crazy pace. He shuts you down. Whatever, Anything that you're, you feel you're good at, anything that you feel that you do, he does better, or he shuts you down from it. Because, you know, there's, you know, for GSP, like I was saying yesterday, for example, this is the best comparison. This is one of the few that I was thinking about is that when it came to the takedowns, people feared the takedowns. Was Carlos Condit going to be able to stop the takedowns? When it came to Nate or Nick Diaz potentially fighting George, 
when 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 he when Nick fought George, I didn't think how I thought Nick was gonna be able to stop the crazy takedowns of George and the crazy athleticism, which he wasn't able to. He got just, he got dominated. No offense, but um, you know it's just the dominant grappling that Habib has been able to. And Habib is different from George because George kind of had it from. Basically, if they were good on the ground, like I was saying yesterday, he would beat them on the feet. If they were good on the feet, he would take them down and beat them up on the ground. You know, I guarantee you Nick Diaz is a better boxer than George St. Pierre. I guarantee you Carlos, uh, I don't want to say Carlos Conde. I mean, I'm just going solely off Diaz because Diaz is a solid boxer and, and a strong suit is boxing. George started off with a karate background. Believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, you know, his grappling is some of the best ever. You know, Habib, going going to Habib, he's not the best striker. And he has there has been times where he left himself a little vulnerable. You know, he got tagged by Michael Johnson. Uh, really stylistically close fight with uh, Grayson Tebow. And, you know, Edson Barbosa is a tricky guy to fight. He's a dangerous, devastating guy, you know, with, with vicious leg kicks, huge power in his kicks. Um, stylistically has KO power in his knees and punch it. Well, not not so much of his punches, but uh, we've seen Edson knock people out more with with what stop people with leg kicks or flying knees. You know what he did to Dariush that one time. Um, but you know Habib fought a guy in Michael Johnson who has crazy power on the feet, and you know necessarily wasn't isn't the best grappler. You know he had some submission losses. Um, you know uh, one that sticks out is Reza Madadi defeating uh, Michael Johnson, but Michael Johnson holds some great wins, some quality wins, and definitely did pose a problem for Habib if it was generated towards a stand-up game. What happens if he gets caught? I mean, Michael Johnson came off a blistering knockout of Dustin Poirier before he fought Habib. Now he's fighting Habib off gaining that huge momentum. That's a huge fight, but then you see Habib just take him down and maul him. So going back forward with Habib is that we... he. He's a guy that makes good people who have had some of the best wins in UFC history look like they don't belong in there with him. He made Michael Johnson look like he didn't belong in there with him. So it's it's a crazy game. It's crazy to talk that solely about someone's discipline that's just that good. There hasn't been a single man that has been able to stop the wrestling, that's been able to stop the crazy pressure, the pressure in the top game and the grappling of Habib. You know, he strikes you for a minute, then he initiates a takedown. He keeps shooting. And the thing is, he doesn't get tired. So you're constantly having to defend grappling extensions, which is exhausting if you've ever been in that kind of position. It is fucking exhausting. I blister with sweat. I'm sweating my ass off. And my shirt's soaked. It's, a, it, it's an exhausting thing, especially for if you don't show up. If you're not, if you're not a condition for... A, a crazy 25-minute fight, a grueling fight of grappling, constant grappling, then you're not going to be, you're not going to, it's not going to be a good night for you. It's not going to be a good time for you because the fact is that Habib just brings that crazy kind of pressure. And it's an, it's an unfortunate thing for a lot of people because, you know, so there's some of the best fighters in the world we've seen get dominated. I mean, thinking about it, Habib's only fought Edson Barbosa, Rafael Dos Anjos, Michael Johnson, and Ally Quinta. And those are his quality wins. Daryl Horcher, who the fuck's that? Who's he fighting? How's he been? Uh, and then, you know, the Edson Barbosa was his more quality win recently. You know, Ally Quint is a good win, too. But he hasn't fought the, the Dustin Poirier's, the Nate Diaz's, the Eddie Alvarez's, the, the Max Holloway's, the Jose Aldo's. 
You know, look at what Connor's doing versus what Habib's doing. That's what makes this fight so stylistically interesting. That's what makes this fight this fight one of the few fights that I just can't I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, there's there's side A that can happen. Habib smothers him, he takes him down instantly, he smashes him on the ground, or there's Connor who uses his, his unpredictable, accurate striking with that left hand shot and flatlines Habib, starches him early on. There's those two sides, but there's a little area, a gray area in the middle, which I want to be surprised with. I, w- I want to see something spectacular. You know, Habib did mention on Ariel's show that he wanted he was going to go for a submission. Now, I think that now it makes more sense that if Habib does end up smashing Connor, he smashes him to a point where it's submission, which is what I think could possibly happen. But Connor is so accurate, he's so quick. His movement is great. It's just the fact that someone's constantly coming to challenge your your uh, your conditioning, and and the, the reason why I say it like that is that you know I I don't have a clear cut you know reason, but you know we've seen Connor's conditioning in the past get challenged by Nate, but it was with punches and grappling. But when you have someone that can potentially do whatever he wants with you. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not going to be an easy night. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm not saying Connor can't stop this, but it's going to be interesting to see how he can, if he can, because so far we haven't seen Habib's takedowns, his grappling, other than uh, other than Glayson Tebow, who held a physical, very good physical advantage, was a very good grappler himself, was able to stop those. You know, we've seen Connor defend a lot of takedowns in the Eddie Alvarez fight, um, the Nate Diaz fight. Obviously, Nate Diaz isn't a takedown artist, but I was just watching that fight yesterday. That was a very, very close fight. That that arguably could have went towards Nate Diaz if that, if that was on a wrong night for the judges. That was a close, close fight. We definitely got to see number three, that's for sure. But like I said, you know, it's, it's just a matter of who can execute the game plans. You know, you can talk about the ifs, the ands, or the buts. But in reality, it's who can execute. Who can be the better man on that night? Who can not shy away from the bright lights and execute everything they're supposed to execute? Connor's precision versus Habib's dominant grappling. Like I was saying, I kind of gave a little uh, breakdown of basically what Habib is. You know, he is just a dominant grappler. You put him up against a guy with... With striking, and they can stop the tape. If you put him in a kickboxing fight, most likely he will lose. I hate to say it like that, but I feel most likely he will lose. You put him against Connor in a boxing ring, Connor wins all day and all night. You put him against uh, Connor in an MMA cage, you know, I say it'd be a little bit more even than it would be if they were striking. So, like I'm saying, Habib is strictly a grappler. He's dominant as, as a grappler. He's a great grappler, a great wrestler. Um, great submissions, great pressure, great cardio. He has all these great, different attributes, but he doesn't offer a good stand-up game. He's not knocking Connor out. I can bet my life on that. I would bet my fucking life on that. He does not knock Connor out. You know, unless if he stops Connor, he's going to be by submission or by devastating. You know, just mauling. He's going to he, he either maul him or he's going to submit him. It's, it's one of the two. And Connor, we know, may. Get a one-sided decision over Habib if he can't stop him because he's going to hurt him. If he hurts him on the feet and, and you know, he shows his great takedowns, defense, not de- takedowns. I don't think Connor would take Habib down in a million years. But 
if he shows his great takedowns, if he stops him, if he punishes Habib every time Habib tries to initiate a takedown, then it's going to be a long night for Habib on the good side for Connor. That's the thing. It's going to either go one of those two ways, but I'm open to seeing what can happen if they were to meet in the middle when it comes to that. So, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, to recently announced fights. We did have this fight originally booked maybe a couple weeks ago, back when Anders took on Tiago Santos, but now that's a fight that interests both parties, apparently, and now these two will meet at UFC 231. Just to clarify that, I'm going to currently check that, but I like this. I, I definitely like it. It's definitely an interesting fight. Um, breaking news, by the way. We're going to talk about this in a second. Um, Valentina Shevchenko versus Saharo Eubanks originally was penciled in, was confirmed, was official that she was going to be fighting Yolanda, so we're gonna talk about that. I'm a little uh, fucking uh, confused about why the fuck that's happening. Who the fuck wants to see that? First and foremost, Eubanks didn't even make weight in her last fucking fight, so why the hell is she getting a title fight? Uh, second off, Joanna versus Valentina. It's a way celebra- way more sellable fight, a way more stylistically interesting fight, and a way more tactical fight. That was a striker's paradise. And now we're gonna get some shit show fight that most likely Valentina's going to be 100% on the right, right end of it. But uh, anyways, going back to, yeah, Manuel versus Santos is confirmed for December 8th, UFC 231. My instincts told me, right, that's an excellent one. Okay, Elias Theodoro versus Eric Anders, Brad Katona versus Matthew Lopez. A lot of casuals may not know who, who that is, but, you know, we're on the side of Manuel versus Santos. And, um, and, uh, Theodoro versus, uh, what is it? Theodoro versus Anders, because those are two previous fights that were talked about for the longest time. Manoa versus Tiago Santos. If you know Tiago Santos, he's number 12 ranked at middleweight, but he stepped in. This is a whole, this is a whole fiasco. We'll go, we'll rewind real quick. We'll go back. The main event for that Brazil card, Sao Paulo, was originally supposed to be Glover Teixeira taking on, uh, Jimmy Manuel in a light heavyweight fight, battle of two ranked fighters. Glover pulls out. Jimmy gets Tiago Santos. Jimmy pulls out, and Eric Anders offers to replace Jimmy Manoa. And that's how we get Eric Anders versus Jimmy Manoa. If you guys are not Eric Anders, Jimmy versus Tiago Santos, which was a very fantastic fight, like I said earlier. They, they both came in. They both... Um, you know, looked as like they wanted to take each other's heads off. You know, it was a crazy fight. TKO due to, you know, a doctor stoppage. You know, he was just absolutely exhausted. If you've been that exhausted, you've been able to feel that, you know, collapsing where you just absolutely can't do it anymore. You got up. You tried to, you tried to get back up, go to his corner. He collapsed. Tried to get back up, fell back down. And, you know, the, the referee just ruled it off. I think it was Mark Goddard. But um, I'm interested for that fight. Eric Anders versus Elias Theodoro. Definitely going to see how Theodoro initiates and deals with the power of Eric Anders and if Theodoro can use his grappling to shut down the power of Eric Anders and use that to his advantage. And I'm also curious to know how Eric responds after his second loss in a row and if he can bounce back from that. No offense to Elias Theodoro or anything like that, but I don't think that Elias is the most dangerous opponent that he can come back to versus maybe if it was like a Yoel Romero or something like, for example, I'm just, I'm just saying, or uh, like someone a lot 
tougher than Theodoro, higher ranks, Chris Weidman or something, or Calvin Gaslam. Just saying, just throwing names out there. I know a couple of those people are booked, but I'm just saying that Elias isn't going to knock Eric Anders out. If anything, he's going to grind him out into a route to a, a, a one-sided unanimous decision. Or you can see Eric Anders stuff all those takedowns, being a, a football player, being a very big, thick, strong guy. And we can see Eric Anders on a beautiful one-punch knockout or a one-kick knockout, which we've seen him do in the past. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I'm really interested to see how this is. You know, Theodore is very smart. He's intelligent. He's a very smart guy. Uh, you know, outside of the cage, he's a smart guy. He's always interacting with fans. He has a very good understanding of the sport. Very uh, intelligent, so he, he brings an intelligent approach, which I feel, and I feel that definitely he will bring a great approach and he will make it a great fight. So, Jimmy Manuel versus Thiago Santos, however, is a striker's paradise. Oh my God! So someone's getting knocked the fuck out in that fight. I can't tell you who. Uh, if I could say it, I would. I would bet on the underdog, Thiago Santos, but there's no sleeping on Jimmy Manuel. It's just the fact that now he has an injury. He's dealing with that currently as we speak. Um, by the time the fight comes around, he will be off. But I don't, I feel that it's too soon. And I feel that, uh, Manu, or Santos is a smart guy. So it's just kind of weird. You know, he's coming back right after an injury like that. I was kind of curious, kind of surprised at that booking. I just found this out earlier today. So it's kind of, I was kind of surprised. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm happy this fight's happening. I just thought it was a little too soon. I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. Uh, i got an interesting comment, by the way. This, this popped in my head. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a striker's paradise. Both guys are very good on the feet. Uh, I'd say Santos is a little, uh, a little more active on his feet, if that makes sense. I feel that he has a lot more significant strikes landed. And I feel that him being at his natural weight, of 205 pounds or a little bit more and not making that cut to 185 actually helps bring him with a lot, gives him a lot more power. He generates a lot more power because he's cutting less weight. He doesn't have to cut too much weight for 205 pounds. Manoa cuts from two something 20 plus down to 205 pounds while Santos is already at 205 pounds plus and he he doesn't have to cut as much weight, but he did He did look massively big in that fight with Eric Anders. And I, I, I'm curious. I could be completely on the wrong end of how much weight either of those guys cut. You know, for any, anything, Santos could be the bigger guy cutting down to uh, 205 pounds. So that will be interesting. Um, UFC 231, December 8th. That's going to be a good one. Um, now we can make a little we can make a little interruption in our schedule. And we can talk about, so recently, finally, we've been waiting for the longest time, quote-unquote. I, I, I use this expression with the rolling eyes emoji. But UFC 230 now has a main event, rumored, not officially signed. Dana White says it's a done deal. I don't know if it's a done deal. Um, so Valentina, versus, Valentina Shevchenko versus Sihara Eubanks. I'm not going to throw any shade. I'm not going to talk any shit. But I, I really, honestly, other than her being on The Ultimate Fighter, I didn't know that Eubanks was on, uh, who Eubanks necessarily was. You know, I heard she was a top contender. I know that she missed weight. She had to go to the hospital due to missing weight. And she was originally supposed to fight Nico Montano instead of Nico Montano fighting uh, Roxanne Modafferi, which she defeated by unanimous decision. Um, 
Now, originally we had Joanna versus Valentina, which was a fight everyone discussed for potential fight when the the title was vacated by uh, or stripped from Nico Montano. No one was promoted to the champion. They made a vacant title fight with Joanna and Valentina, which I thought stylistically was, if, if you're a fight fan, if you're a fan of the stand-up game, then you would think, obviously, that's, if you're a fan of both parties, both sides, you would think that's the striker's paradise right there. That's a fun fight right there. That's an exciting female women's fight, aside from Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes, which I'm excited to be able to finally talk about coming up you know, in the next few weeks. Um, but... You know, this is that was a stylistically a very fun fight. Obviously, they fought in Muay Thai. Valentina had the edge in Muay Thai. She had she had the edge back then, but it's completely different if you put him into an MMA. Put either of those women in an MMA cage, it makes it a lot different. Stylistically, it's a fun fight. Joanna's a top contender at uh, 115 pounds. So, I, if anything, I could look at it in a different way and say, you know, the UFC. Isn't going to promote, maybe promote a title fight, get this title, get this division moving. Even though if I felt if Joanna fought for the world title at 125, that would be a chance for her to get a belt potentially and, you know, have more of a, uh, have more of a leeway to fight maybe Rose again or fight the, the winner or whoever Rose fights next or something and be able to fight for another belt down at her original home where she was a former champion, which was 115. So um, I can see where the UFC is coming from in a way that, you know, Eubanks is a top contender. Maybe they 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 thought maybe it would, it would be better for the flyweight division because it's been one of those divisions that really hasn't been grown. There's really, you know, it's a solid division. I looked at the rankings the other day. It's a good division. It looks good. But I think they want to make a new star and they want to maybe put some faith behind Eubanks and, and see what she has to offer. And maybe they want to give, they finally want to give a chance for, uh, I hate to say it like this, but I think it's easy. It's, an easy, it's a tough win. It's a tough fight. But I think Valentina gets that one all day and all night. And I think that, you know, she can finally get a belt and that can eventually generate a lot more for the UFC with Valentina finally having a belt around her waist. And I think they have something in store for Ioana. I do think that people want to see that fight. I know the UFC wanted that fight because that's what they originally booked officially for for that card, but our 231. And that's an unfortunate thing that we don't get that fight right away. But I think a lot of us fans, a lot of us people are very excited to see Ioana come back. Or not Ioana, but Valentina finally fight for a belt against opponent that will most likely be a large underdog to her and and someone that I feel we can't wait to you know we can't say, wait to see Valentina finally get a belt you know successful over Eubanks it is penciled in that she will beat Eubanks a lot of people I know think that she will beat Eubanks and I think that she will as well based on experience and style obviously Eubanks is a top contender uh, on the show and one of the one of the favorites to win the show and you know that unfortunately didn't happen due to her own current health but I do think that that's a sellable fight as well. Just a main event of UFC 230. Uh, the, the whole controversy, this is the second part of the whole thing, is that they put this fight over Poirier versus Diaz. That in its own right is a sellable fight for pay-per-view. It just couldn't be for that 165-pound belt that they were campaigning for. You know, originally said that they were going to be fighting on 
Twitter for the 165-pound belt. Thanks for being part of history. Nate said that. First ever fight for the 165-pound division. And then, you know, that was said to not be a thing. That was said to not be rumored. When I asked on the uh, MMA, MMA hour that what were your thoughts about that? Usually when Dana says that John Jones wasn't supposed to be a part of UFC 2, 32 or 231 or blah, blah, blah. You know, Augustuson versus Jones could have been the main event for what Valentina and Eubanks are going to be now that it wasn't true. But usually when Dana had said that, he had had a history of saying things weren't true and then they ended up being true. So it's kind of, it makes it kind of fishy usually when Dana says it, unfortunately. But, you know, uh, obviously, like I said, it's a great fight. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I think Valentina is going to pull this one off. I think she's going to get a, a belt, and I think it's going to be exciting for her. So, um, like I said, that over Poirier versus Diaz, like I said, I do not agree with that uh, because I, Poirier versus Diaz will now be a co-main event, and I think that this is a five-rounder. This is a good fight. This is a great fight. I think it deserves more than, five, more than three rounds. I think two extra rounds because both these guys are tough. Both these guys are warriors, and I think it's a fun very fun and very close fun fight and I think it's a robbery for the fans that we get UFC 230 head I mean there's I'm not against I'm not I'm not sexist or anything like that I'm not saying that women can't headline I just think that when it comes to what's going to attract the most fans what's going to attract the most people what's going to get the most asses in the seats I just don't think that's a fight they're talking about this UFC 230 potentially having Gustafson versus Romero, and now it's John Jones versus uh, Gustafson potentially to dropping down to Valentina. No offense to Valentina, I love Valentina. I just don't think that this was a proper fight to put in the place of potentially what they were going to put for. I mean, for UFC 230. I mean Valentina versus. Valentina versus, uh, it's going to be a weak ass card. That's a weak ass headliner, actually. Not a weak ass card. Obviously, we've got Wyden versus Rockhold, too, on there. It's exciting. Poirier versus Diaz. Um, it could kind of be compared to Demetrius, early on Demetrius Johnson, when the ratings weren't as high, when he was getting like decisions and stuff. You know, we can have other good fights on the card, but, you know, people leave when the main event starts. I mean, I, I'm curious. I'm excited to see Valentina get a belt. But, you know, that doesn't that doesn't get me out of my seat like a Poirier versus Diaz fight. So that's just my thoughts on that. I like Poirier versus Diaz. I'm confident it's going to be a good fight. Every other fight, you know, we just have a chance to enjoy the other fights that are on that card. And speaking of that card, I'm just going to preview and see what other fights we got on that card so we can get a little bit more excited because I think that that fight, that fight card is good. It was a solid card. Uh, I have to do some fight picks for UFC 229, official fight picks, so I can bet and make sure that everything gets turned in before the date we have till Friday. Um, it's funny because on, on here it says Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz is the main event, but that's not true. Five uh, Valentina, yep, Valentina versus... Uh, I, I bet they're going to be pissed. Diaz and Poirier, I, I guarantee you they're fucking pissed. Because I'm fucking pissed. That's some bullshit. Why in the fuck would they put a shitty-ass fight like that on a... That's a co-main event right there. That's not a main event. You want to... Tell me. 
if we could vote right now, millions out of thousands of fans right now, what would you pick? Would you pick Diaz versus uh, Poirier for your main event? Or Sahara Eubanks versus Valentina Shevchenko? Uh, let me look. Let me look back at the tracker. Eubanks missed weight. Uh, is she even going to make weight for this main event? What if she? I'm going to be even more pissed if she doesn't make weight for this. Put that, put put Ioana in as a standby. That's what I said. That's that's actually very agitating as we start begin this to talk about it more. Um, so the main the main event. Um, no, there's no main event. Well, there now there is Valentina, but versus Eubanks. But we got Ronaldo Souza versus David Branch, Jacare Souza versus David Branch, Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz, Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya, Lyman Good versus Sultan Aliv, Brian Kelleher versus Dom, Domenico Pilarti, Matt Frivola versus Lando Venata, Carl Ro- Robert Robertson versus Jack Marshman, Julio Ars versus Shaman Moraes. Shane Burgos versus Kurt Holabog. Whoa, why is Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman all the way down here? But Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman, too. Um, Jason Knight versus Jordan Rinaldi. Let me see if they're on the main card. I want to get a look at what the main card looks like, at least. I mean, that, that is that is some bullshit, honestly. That That's some complete bullshit. I have to say, out of any news that I've read or broken are broken to myself within the last like month or so. That's the shittiest news. Other than other than Valentina getting the belt pretty handedly, Eubanks is tough. But like I said, I feel Valentina has the edge. Definitely. Prove me wrong, motherfuckers. But uh um I just don't think that like I keep saying it's just I don't know what what the fuck was the motivation for that. And Poirier versus Diaz is a sellable fight. Both men are actively campaigning. You know, unfortunately, it's not for the 165-pound title, which I don't think that UFC currently wanted to implement. I do feel maybe later on they may do it, but not right now, and especially not be leveraged by people that, you know, they don't want the pressure of it. So let me just take a quick look at UFC 230. 38 minutes in, and I feel like you dropped some serious fucking knowledge. Better than yesterday's show, for sure. I don't care about... uh, I don't care about uh, what I said about, you know, having all the best shows. And, you know, every show is a good show. This show is fucking fire. So, um, what were we looking at? Oh, yeah, UFC 230. All right. UFC 230. Did they remove it from? Why did they remove it? Let me see. Is it not on here or I'm just, like, high or something? got a lot of podcasts to catch up to so like a lot of homework after this too so that's what i'm going to be doing for the rest of the day what the fuck let me see it's saying it's not found we got upcoming ufc2 oh okay never mind just to, to be decided versus to be announced versus to be decided so they haven't updated their website but uh, let's i just want to take a look at what's on their main card and what we have to go on there um, let me see. Yep, we got Poirier versus Diaz, like I said. Weidman Rockhold, Jacare Branch, Brunson Alessania, and the rest of the card. Only fights I probably give a, actually give a fuck about is probably Poirier. Oh, most very likely, not very likely, but most definitely Poirier Diaz because that's my main event right there. Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, two, 
Doc Ray Branch, Derek Brunson, and Adesanya. That's probably all the ones that I named. So that's all that I feel we're going to have on there. A lot of fun fights. Adesanya being 14-0. Having a massive step up in competition with Brunson. You know, lead up the trash talk. That's an exciting one. A rematch between two guys that fought each other. That's uh, going for Chris Weidman. It gives him an opportunity to to get his first loss ever back from him against Rockhold. That gives Rockhold a chance to right the right the wrongs and come back in impressive fashion. Show that the first fight was no fluke. That the, the rogue spinning back kick that Chris Weidman landed was a uh, was a beginning of the end. And anything that Weidman does in this fight will be the beginning of the end too, because Rockhold wants to prove that he is a sensational fighter and he wants to get his shot. He wants to uh, he wants his shot. He doesn't want to end on a, on a on a losing streak. He doesn't want to lose this guy. So I feel it's going to be an excellent fight. So I'm I'm excited for that. Um, Okay, moving on. So the UFC potentially stripping UFC heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier for a light heavyweight title fight. Jones Gustafson two for UFC two thirty two. Um, I I I have like I said, I'm completely open minded when it comes to these things. That's what being in the podcasting world, mixed martial arts world, being being on the side, being broadcasting, broadcasting all this shit out to the world to hear, I've learned to not be completely biased when it comes to this shit. So, I mean, it's not fair, but with Brock Lesnar coming back, you got DC taking on Brock Lesnar. It's penciled in. That's the next fight. That's the official fight they're going to make for the heavyweight title. In the meantime, if Cormier does have intentions of coming back, I had always thought that maybe they do an interim title fight because Cormier is, it's different because Cormier is fighting versus he's not, he's out due to injury. Currently he is out due to injury right now. But if they're seriously talking about a title fight for Gustafson versus Jones, don't strip Cormier of the title. Give the, do, this is the only time I'm going to vouch for the interim title. I think it should be for an interim title. I don't think they should strip him. It's a, it's a complimentary thing. It's a Hall of Fame worthy thing that DC has been able to do. So him knocking out Stipe in the first round to become two division world champion in combat sports, you gotta think that's a huge thing. And we've seen it with Rory McDonald, Gegard Musasi. That's not that's a thing and uh sorry I got distracted. I I, I would tell you guys, but I'm not gonna talk about it. Uh, um but like I said, it's history. It was history that was made. It was history that was done. It was it was something that I feel that not a lot of people can be able to do. Obviously, the Connor thing. He had two division, two the first two division simultaneously two division champion in the UFC. Obviously, he didn't defend his belts. Um, it was taking other fights, doing other things, and the UFC had to do what they do, did what they had to do to allow the divisions to move on. With DC, they have having the division move on. But the thing is. DC is so closely tied to that light heavyweight division because of the what the fact is what they're gonna do is the winner of Jones Gustin is gonna be fighting are they gonna they'll be awarded a belt and obviously DC's already beaten Gustin uh, and DC the main important thing is DC has lost to Jones twice so why wouldn't you want to set up an even better third fight arguably in my opinion I think that. The two best fights, I said this like maybe a month or so ago on this very show, was that 
I say the mapping out the perfect scenario for Cormier is to fight Lesnar beginning of the year and get it one, one, one more in after that, fight the winner of Jones and Gustafson, or fight John Jones one more time. Gustafson wasn't the type of the fight I was thinking of at the time because he's already beaten him. I feel that he had done enough to beat him, but um, it was a close fight. But I, 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 legacy-wise, I think that it's better for him to avenge a loss potentially because who in the fuck knows if he beats John Jones, crazier shit, crazier shit has happened. Look at Connor's 13-second mauling of Jose Aldo. Crazier shit that's happened than that. But if he beats John Jones, if Cormier somehow finds a way to beat the the, the, the infamous, the crazy, you know, the the troublesome John Jones, then it's going to be a different scenario. He has stayed committed to retiring by March by his 40th birthday, but I don't know necessarily if that's what he's going to gun for, say a big opportunity has come down the line to fight Jones again. But you know, right now, they're looking at stripping, taking the belt, but I do necessarily don't agree with that. And I was actually very upset hearing his interview, hearing him say that, him posting something about his daughters wearing his Cormier t-shirts or something. Our daddy is our hero and stuff. If you look on his Instagram, you can go back and see what I'm referring to. And he said he was kind of feeling, you know, things haven't been necessarily so good lately. So I had, I sent a message saying, what were you, what, what's going on? And, you know, it could potentially have been this whole stripping of him potentially being stripped of a belt that he, he won, a belt he has defended. And, you know, he's representing the brand very well. I think if they want to add a fucking belt to UFC 232, do it for the interim belt guaranteed the winner fights dc but i don't know if maybe if if the if gustafson won would that be the fight he wants to do no i think that they know that he's going to be fighting lesnar and dc said himself that if they were to remove the belt that no matter who wins he gets the immediate shot at the title after he's done with lesnar and it's kind of like the same thing that connor got when he Got his belts taken from him, quote unquote, taken from him, and he gets to fight Habib. So he, he fought the winner of Ayi Quinta versus Habib. Connor originally was going to fight the winner of of Tony Ferguson versus Habib because you know that's the whole thing when he tripped over over the fucking cable and popped his knee or whatever the hell happened, and you know it was a it was a whole fiasco. It was a crazy fiasco. It was a crazy time. Like I said, that will be the craziest night, the most overwhelming night as a fight fan, as a podcaster, and as a, I guarantee you, as anyone in the world can say, as crazy as that was with the bus incident, with the whole Max Holloway thing, everything was fucking crazy. So just, it was a, it was a crazy fiasco, and I, I, I just really kind of, I'm kind of glad we're past that. But I do not think, like I said, that that should be the case. But if they do that, then... You know, I'll be completely fine with that. You know, it still doesn't take away from the legacy of what he's been able to accomplish throughout his career. So congrats to Cormier for being a class act. And, you know, at the end of it, making it seem like it doesn't really affect him as much as it has been because, you know, it is an upsetting thing. And You know, all, all that matters is that he, he gets a title shot after that. It's still, it's still very unfortunate on the other side because he, he is here. He is the champion. And in order for the, I mean, obviously the whole two division thing is very tricky and stuff, and it doesn't always work. So just it's it's rare. That's why it's only happened every so often because it's a rare thing. And it's a very hard thing to do. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I support Cormier one hundred percent. 
I back the UFC. And I think, you know, other than that, as long as he gets the title shot, everything will be fine in my books. Speaking of two division champions, Bellator welterweight champion Rory McDonald fought Gegard Mousasi on Friday, last Friday, for the the welterweight or for the middleweight title. Unfortunately, came up on the losing end by TKO. Gegard Mousasi looked fantastic. He looked great. You know, he's like I said yesterday. He is one of the best middleweights in the world, and I think if he wasn't the champion in Bellator, if he was in the UFC still, most more than doubt, more so than anything, I think that he would be the world champion or a top contender at, at middleweight. So at, in the UFC, so him stopping Roy McDonald, I had some concerns, some personal concerns on my end that I was thinking of when it comes to Roy because he was stopped, he was bloodied up, he was beaten up. He said his confidence wasn't shooken. He wasn't there mentally. You know, he wasn't as focused as he could be. And I was just thinking in my head how unfortunate that was because it was a big fight. It was one of the biggest fights of his life. Um, big, big fight, historic fight for Bellator. You would think that you know he would come. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying his performance was shitty or anything like that. But I, you, and then you, uh, you think that that's the best fight they can put together. And, you know, he ends up losing, and now he has the pressures of the Welterweight Grand Prix tournament coming up right after that. He has to fight John Fitch now. Like I said, comparing to John, F- John Fitch to uh, Elias Theodoros, that's stylistically not the most damaging fight R- Roy can have. Just like Theodoros not damaging to Eric Anders in a way, which are kind of similar. They're both really good grapplers. John Fitch kind of had the reputation of being the guy who would win but not in an impressive fashion you know he had wins but they weren't stacked like they weren't like oh my gosh i can't wait to see him come back like it wasn't any it wasn't like it makes me stand up i can't wait for a john fitch fight no no offense or anything i respect all anybody that fights inside of a cage for a living gets punched all day and all night but it's not stylistically not an exciting fight so honestly i think about it like um what did I say? You know, it, is it damaging? Um, it's a kind of question I have for myself. I kind of just want to give the answer out. I do think it's kind of a confidence shaker. First and foremost, if Rory won that fight, it would have been a lot better for him to advance into the tournament. I know Douglas Lima won fifth round submission over Andre Koreshkov. Congrats to Douglas. Um, Douglas Lima is a fucking monster. So, you know, I, I would think, you know, after taking a beating like that, in the fight, I still have watched highlights. I haven't officially watched the full fight. I may do that too. Add that to the list of things I have to do for the rest of the day. I have a lot of homework too. A couple of things I have to do on my side. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's really damaging. It's a confident shaker. You know, say DC lost to Stipe and he went back down to 205 pounds. Now he would have losses to Jones and one loss at heavyweight, which he hadn't fought at for a while. But fortunately for him, not unfortunately, fortunately, he was able to be very successful. So him going back down to 205 pounds wouldn't seem like a bad idea, or him staying at heavyweight wouldn't seem like a bad idea. It's just that Roy was on the wrong end, so we're forced to deal with the repercussions of him taking the fight versus him not getting touched and him just overwhelming and beating Gegard Mousasi and being two-division champion, advancing in a welterweight tournament. Unfortunately, he got beaten up, and it was a confidence shaker, and I think it's going to be a little unfortunate. But, you know, I imagine the worst a lot when it comes to a lot of things. Say Rory loses to John Fitch. 
So I think that may, basically means that he loses his world title because every fight in his welterweight Grand Prix is a title fight because he is a champion. He is a Bellator champion. He is not being stripped of his belt because he's in this tournament. He's basically defending his belt. So that puts a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, he's in, he's, he, he has taken a lot of damage. He has gotten hit a lot. He got hurt a lot. He was hurt in that Douglas Lima fight. He had a lot, took a lot of damage in that one. It's just the fact that both a lot of these guys, you know, end up having to fight two times in one night. I just think it's, you know, health-wise, you got to make sure you, you come out unscathed. So that's why I thought that it's, it's kind of a dangerous game he is playing. And I don't know when this happens and say when the fight with Fish gets announced. is The, the fact is, is he even going to be healthy enough? Is he going to be ready? Is he going to be able to make the tournament and be able to based off his health? He didn't really give an update. He got, kind of gave a little post statement based off of the last of his last fight and stuff. And congrats. You know, he explained the whole thing. He wasn't prepared mentally and all that. But it's just interesting to see how it's gonna how he's going to amass after such a unfortunate night against Musashi. But I have all the confidence in Rory. I know he has the best team around him. As some of the best coaches in the world, you know, he's a, a protege of George St. Pierre. So, you know, he's a, he's a champion for a reason. And I feel that as a champion, he will come back and I feel he will learn it's just the damage and the longevity. And if he, if it was too short of a time frame, depending on how much time he has to come back, like I said, I don't think the fight with Fitch is officially announced yet, but that is the next opponent for him in the uh, welterweight Grand Prix. But uh, this depends on a matter of time and how badly he was hurt in that fight. I may be, a little bit over exaggerating. I'm just concerned and I just want to make sure that, you know, everything happens with him. Everything goes according to plan for him. So, you know, I don't think that that's going to be stylistically, it's going to be a grinding fight. Fitch makes a lot of fights grinding and very difficult. So I don't think that it's going to be too much of a, a crazy fight to worry about. It's just mainly getting into the Douglas Lima's and the Paul. Well, he's already beaten those two, Paul Daly and Douglas Lima. But, you know, Douglas Lima now, I feel that is uh, definitely is a, a lot harder, fucking tough fight for anyone in, in that organization. So I do think that he will have his hands full moving forward if he is successful against Fitch. All right, moving on. The final thing of this, like I said, and I appreciate each and every one of you guys joining. As I said yesterday on the podcast, if you're having trouble uh, trying to find the show, accessing it, you can find it via iHeartRadio podcast tab. It's not hard to find, ladies and gentlemen. You can find it on Spotify. They have host podcasts there as well. Um, Podbean, I think podbean.fm, podbay.fm, castbox.fm, and uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and I'm pretty pretty sure any of the other major podcast providers. It's not hard. It's not the most difficult thing in the world. You can find it. You subscribe, get access to our latest content. Some podcasts, I think it, all of it, all the RSS feed, all, when all the content is posted, it usually comes out maybe 15 to 20 minutes later, so it's not too much of a hassle. Like I said, iHeartRadio and Spotify are two of the top contenders for, uh, you heard me say it, contenders, like they're good finding, two of the top contenders for some of the top podcast providers. So the Jimmy Kimmel MMA show is available on there for anybody. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your girlfriend, tell your ex-girlfriends, tell every fucking person you know about it, and let's get this show on the road. All right, moving into the final thing of today's podcast thank you guys like i said for joining episode 158 august 2nd 2018 um 
So Connor says he wants a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. Um, do I want to see? I mean, it would be cool. I mean, since Floyd's doing rematches and stuff, Manny Pacquiao, when he announced at like a loud ass party or something on Instagram, he announces it. He says he's going to fight Manny Pacquiao again. Um, back when that fight originally happened, that fight I felt like was seven years late. That was a fight I, sh- I feel like we should have seen seven years earlier. Because I remember back when with the people that I, I was around a lot of people, actually a lot of Filipino fans, telling me, saying, you know, that's, this is the fight that needs to happen. But this wasn't the fight that's, that was bound to happen. You know, reminisce to Anthony Joshua taking on Deontay Wilder. Now, I'm not too much of a boxing guy, but I do know my stuff when it comes to matchups and some of the best matchups, by the way. I'm super excited for Tyson Fury versus... Uh, um, Deontay Wilder too. That's really exciting. I love Tyson Fury. He's kind of he's one of the best of all time. You know, he talks a lot. He's really humble. He's awesome. He's a badass motherfucker. So I can't wait for that one. But going back to that, um, I mean, yeah, Floyd's doing rematches. So I mean, a rematch with Connor. It did sell a lot. Did get a lot of attention. Uh, had a lot of history behind it. But really, in reality, there's really no. That was like, kind of like I feel like a one-off for me. I don't feel that that really is it's a seller, but it's not a seller at the same time. I mean, it involves Connor. Obviously, him and Floyd have a lot of trash talk. Um, excuse me. The, the world tour with Mayweather was crazy. I mean, Connor's been on two massive world tours throughout his career and has been two of the biggest fights, you know, and probably in his career. You know, the Jose Aldo thing was crazy for Connor. The Floyd Mayweather thing was crazy for Connor. I mean, to relive it, I mean, it would be fun. But I really just don't see it because Connor is a mixed martial artist. He's fantastic. Like I said, it really, it really itched me. It really fucking bothered me that he wasn't able to use his his full complex tools to beat a guy like Floyd. I know he can beat Floyd. It's just the fact that Floyd is one of the most talented boxers, if not one of the best pound for pound boxers on the planet, best defensive boxer of all time, least hit fighter in boxing history, probably. And is one of the best of all time. And, you know, Connor wants to compete with the best. And he wants to, to be one of the best and establish himself as one of the top fighters in the world. I, I think a fight with Floyd would do, would do some numbers. It wouldn't generally do as much numbers on the top of the heap like it used to. Like it originally did. But I do think that that would be a fight to see again. Uh, number two on the list for him obviously has to be a third fight with Nate Diaz. Both fights, you know, they're one and one. Both fights were excellent. You know, Connor had success early in that fight. And then Nate lands that big shot, and, you know, he's hurting him. He's swarming in. He hurt Connor. Connor goes in for the takedown. Nate stops it with ease and eventually gets to the point where he got the rear naked choke locked in. And, and then seconds later, Connor is uh, tapped. He tapped, and it was a big thing in MMA history. It was a huge win for Nate Diaz, probably his biggest win to date. And as crazy as all the people you looked at that Nate has fought, it's been a crazy experience for Nate. Um, you know, ever since then, it's blown up. UFC 202 blew up. It was a big, big fight, big event. Um, definitely was a huge event, one of the biggest events, highest rated events for UFC, UFC 202 was. And um, I think that third fight makes most sense because of how close that fight was. You know, a lot of people had Nate Diaz winning in that fight. I, I, I thought if I watched it again, I thought that Nate could have easily won that fight. You know, Connor obviously had the knockdowns and stuff, and you know the, the damage. And at the end of the day, the judges love Connor. At the end of the day, Connor, you know, he did land a lot. You know, Diaz 
The Diaz brothers have had a lot of scar tissue, have had, have had a lot of damage. And um, I do think that, you know, uh, based off what the judge has seen physically is what really mattered in that fight. You know, obviously, Connor did knock him down three times and, you know, it was one, one round or so. But, you know, he landed a lot of significant shots as well. And it was a closer fight. But, you know, just looking at it, just was really close and entertaining fight. So much to the point where we need to see a third fight. So I'm, I'm completely 100% on with that one. Um, now on to the, the third and final thing and the last thing of today's podcast. Um, Anderson Silva. What I think of that. Anderson Silva probably walks around like maybe 215, 220, 225. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe 190. But Anderson Silva versus Connor, that would be a, a weird fight because Anderson Silva has fought at middleweight and light heavyweight. Connor's only fought in at 145 and 155 and 170. So would they meet somewhere in the middle or something like that or 190 or 180? I don't think Connor is nowhere near 200 pounds at all. And for fuck's sakes, he used to fight at 145, so. There's no way in shape and form that makes me think that Connor would fight. I just don't know a weight class he would necessarily fight at. That's the thing. I don't know what weight class or how he would do it. But, you know, it would be an interesting fight. Definitely a legacy fight. You know, he's all about the money fights and legacy fights. I mean, it would be a stand-up war. We wouldn't have to worry about it being a, 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 a we have to worry about it being a boring fight, that's for sure. I mean, we just take weight classes out for a second and think about it stylistically. It's a striker versus a striker. You know, a man with elite power in his left hand. Uh, another man on the side in the form of Anderson Silva, who was a reigning defending middleweight champion for years, who has sniper-like abilities, a, a knockout power, devastating knees, devastating kicks. Um, you know, he's now cleared by USADA and is eligible to return. It's just a matter of getting him a solid fight and solid book booking. But I do think that's an excellent fight. So Silva versus McGregor, sign me up. I don't care. Legacy fights for Connor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for our show today. I do appreciate each and every one of you guys joining here. Casually, it looks like I'm sitting here speaking to myself, but in reality, I'm broadcasting to the world. So I appreciate each and every one of you guys joining me here. You know where to find me, at gmeeker underscore MMA via Snapchat. It's funny, I announced that first. Gmeeker MMA, both on Twitter, same handle, on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123. And like I said, we will have Ryan Morrow on tomorrow for sure. If not, I'm, I apologize if it's technical difficulties. If we don't meet and match the same times, time periods don't work. I strongly apologize. I apologize that we didn't have him today. But, you know, in, in, in wake of that situation, we, we amassed up a better podcast today. And I'm ex- I was excited for that one. So thank you guys for tuning in. And we will be back tomorrow. If not, if he's not here tomorrow, we won't be live. Because I think I've talked you guys' ears off for over a couple hours now. So, like I said, join us here tomorrow, hopefully. If not, next week we'll be back for sure. Enjoy the fights. I can't wait. It's going to be a fucking crazy night. UFC 229 live on pay-per-view from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I can't fucking wait, ladies and gentlemen. G-Meeker MMA out, baby.